Welcome to Mo Man Talk. I'm your host, She So More. On today's guest, we have a 39 year old man, a single father of four beautiful girls. He was just a normal kid growing up in Wausau, Wisconsin, but in 2013, he had a rare illness that made him go into a seizure and wake up into a hospital to realize he had a second chance. Are you looking for the latest Mo inspired menswear? Well, look no further. She sells menswear, makes suit accessories, uh, apparels, and you can find them at www.xixomenswear.com. Hey everyone, we're super excited uh, to have a gentleman that uh, is in the Midwest that's out here, and, and he's one of the most hardcore marathon runners. And, and there's a reason for that. Fred. How's it going, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Yeah. I mean, so far, so good. That's great. You're like a brother from another mother. You know, you're a Momo, I'm a Momo, too. <laughs> you can say that. I just recently found that out when I, when we, the last time when we first talked. I'm like, oh, he's a, he's a Mo. I didn't know that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, Fritz, um, you know, tell the audience one thing we do not know about you. Uh, um, I say, uh, I walk around the hole in my brain. We're going to talk more about that. Uh, why? I came about and by your own podcast. Uh, even though you may walk around with a hole in your brain, you are 39 years old. You know, you're, you're born in Illinois. Um, you have four kids and you're divorced now too. Um, Let's bring back a while back when you were a kid and you were a lot younger. Um, how did you? Let's talk about where you were raised in Illinois. Know anything just about your past? Um, well, as far as Illinois, uh, we we left. I was just an infant, so I, we left early. I don't even remember there whatsoever, and we definitely left. We left there to Fresno. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know anything. As far as I know, I basically was raised my teens in Fresno. So I can't say much about a hometown, Moline, Illinois. Yeah. I was also um, was slightly raised in Fresno as well. Can you tell me more about Fresno and your childhood uh, there? Um, I feel like I was just a normal mom kid. I um, made friends, went to school. Um, I mean, my parents kept me away from, you know, we, we lived in the, the Hmong, uh, how do you say that, the Hmong gang life. You know, that was kind of that generation there, and I'm, um, which was great. I, I didn't involve myself. You know, I had friends. It was cool. Um, that was up until I was only 16. So I left there uh, young, at a young teenage age. Uh, then I left there, went to Wausau, Wisconsin. So pretty normal um, kid life. During the teens of, uh, you know, during those years, would you maybe get caught in a gang membership? We, you know, when I grow up, kind of have that problem too. Um, I didn't feel like I did. I didn't feel like I affiliated myself in there. Um, I think I made some good friends. I met some nice people. A lot of them, whether they were or they weren't. Um, but no, I didn't. I. I truly didn't. Yeah. 
were you an athlete in, in high school also? What was that? Were you were you an athlete? Were you an athlete in high school? Or did you play soccer? Did you oh, yeah, I did. I did all of all up until yep, I did all up until senior. So I was even in Fresno, I w- was already running, playing athlete, all of it, all of it, baseball, you name it. <laughs> so you did all the way up here. Then I, yep, then I did track doing two cross country as well. Did you take any awards or any place? No, I was terrible. I just did it because all my friends did it. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly, that that was why. Um, Just hanging out, um, chit chatting, laughing. That was about it. I didn't know if I was good or not. I don't think I was either. So. At least you were in shape. And <laughs> more importantly, keep your, your body busy and stay out of drugs, right? Stay out of trouble. Yeah, definitely, definitely at the time. Uh, yeah, definitely at, at the young age, teenage life. Yep, always, yeah. <laughs> That's definitely some childhood memory that you stay out of that. Now let's you know, talk a little bit more um, about you know, you, you, a little bit more personal about your family and your divorce too with four beautiful girls, correct? Yeah, right. Four girls. Yeah, four, I want to know a little bit more about that. Married kind of young, and or, or yeah, you um, I was married young, really young. You know, I um, I mean, as far as divorce, I not. I mean, even till today, it would. It's been four years. Um, I'm kind of confused on what happened between us as well, but um, my children, I, I think they're old enough where it's understandable and mom and dad didn't work out. And uh, here we are now. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure w- what happened between us. And you, were you, did you get married in like, Fresno? During the time? Nope, nope. I got it. Yeah, in Wisconsin. Yeah. In Wausau. Definitely, yeah. I was 21. Yeah. And, you know, having your first child, how does it make you feel? Um, I was, I was, I was, I felt like I was still a young kid, uh, having a kid. So I was pushed to be an adult real fast before I even got a chance to think about it or where I want to go from here, I was already, oh man, I'm, I'm a dad. Yeah. So, so yeah, that became real fast. How old were then you? I became, when you were 21. Year? You're 21. And yep. then by the time you had your last daughter, how old were you then? Let me see. She is seven, seven now. So 30, so I was 30, 31. There's a reason why I'm asking all the personal question from, you know, Fresno and drugs and game related and having your first daughter at 21 and, you know, having your four um, and, and, you know, and being divorced now. Because more importantly today is we're talking about experience and it's going to tie down you having this experience and not only that, a second chance in life for you to really think about your life 
and make you realize how precious your four daughters are to you. So that's why I'm tying this down to why it's so important. And it, it could get very emotional too. And, you know, just to give you everybody a quick, uh, a, a quick of what is going on here, this gentleman was, has a disease. He didn't, did not got, he did not get shot and got a hole in his brain. But the disease caused him to fall flat on the ground. And, and, and exactly why we're explaining this story. Am I right, Britt? Right, right. It was a, and a, a rare, um, uncommon uh, illness. So, and, um, you know, that's so, you know, but we're going to back up a little bit. Um, growing up, you were, you had a farming life, am I right? Yep, yep. There in California, as well, you, well as Wisconsin. <laughs> so, did you kind of vegetables you guys grow and whatnot? Um, man, everything from my favorite to tomatoes to bok choy. I mean, love it. Broccoli, yeah, all of it. It's too much of it. I don't even know all of it. <laughs> and it's this farming life, was it to uh, farm and sell at the flea market or is it for sell? Um, it was to sell. So yeah. yeah, that was what my parents were living on. Yeah. So definitely the markets. And having to wake up six in the morning to go, go cut a, a harvest crop or to maintain the farm. How did this discipline you, man? Um, let me see. Uh, I hated it. I mean, I hated getting up in the morning. Um, I'm like, hey, uh, I get up when I want to, and I just want to go hang out. I just wanted to be a kid, but uh, not work. It made me realize where my parents came from and what they have now, and hard work sure pays off. And so that's what made me realize. I understand that. And I saw that, that man, yeah, working hard. They didn't tell me what the future is going to be like, but I see it now and what they have. And uh, that's what I learned. Yeah, you got to work. Nobody's going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not the fortunate born, born multimillionaires. So, and I understand where my parents came from. And now it makes sense now that grit and that hustle and the hard work is that ingrained in you now and make your heart make you work harder than ever yeah yeah i i see that if i if i want it enough you you have to go and get it even if it's a 5k even if it's a 10k even if it's a yep. yeah and it it truly starts uh right here mentally it starts there without it there's no way i couldn't just wake up and say hey um it took a lot all that all the pain all the suffering and then uh when you finish it's rewarding you know with life being giving you a second chance you know, and 
look, looking back at your four daughters, what what did you realize? I mean, I, I want to say, I mean, they truly are part of my life. I, I love them. Um, definitely one, the youngest, because she was the one I almost didn't get to meet. And I, at the time, uh, she was only seven months pregnant. And they made me realize in, in, they, as them as now as teenagers, they're growing up and it was just so fast. It was just like yesterday and then they're already here. And eventually I'm going to grow too old already. It feels like an eternity, but it was just in blinking an eye. And you, gotta, you better cherish, cherish those moments. Truly do it. You mentioned the first one. She was premature. Did she almost didn't make it? Oh, no. Uh, all of them were very good. All of them. Yeah. They were all super healthy. Uh, we didn't have any issues whatsoever. Yeah. What do you tell to your daughters? How do you do like a life quote or lesson you give them? Oh, I, I, um, I just tell them that you just got to uh, focus on yourself. And over and over, I, I often tell them that, especially when you're in that teenage life, because a lot of things are hitting you. As far as like friends, being new school, you, you know, you feel like all those is such a big pressure, which it is at the time. Is there a, a life lesson you give your daughter? Like, I want you to be highly educated or, you know, I would love you to get married um, and so forth and so on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it is, it is that I, I encourage my, my children to, yeah, get a better education, you know, move on with life. But um, besides all that in a broad situation, so they know what I've been through already, they, they were there to see it. I often tell them that, yeah, you, you look at your dad and, oh, he's 40 and they're so young. And I tell them, you have to, you should live life to the fullest because um, it, it, it's a blink of an eye. By the time you know it, you're an adult and they still feel like they're just still so young. So I tell them, do what you want to do. Go get it because that's life. Smiles. Those are forever. Those are the things you always want to remember. You know, we're going to hop at a certain time of your life, Fred, when you actually did collapse and fall to the ground and were in a hospital for quite a few months. And this is when you caught a disease. Can you tell us about the critical moment? Um, yeah, yes, fair. Um, it was uh, Thanksgiving day, and I just had this fever. It was also that Thanksgiving day is cold in Wisconsin. It's, it's typical that I would just have a flu. And I'm thinking to myself, not a big deal. Yeah, it, it's flu-like symptom. Cool. So I go in to the doctors and uh, to the ER the first time. <laughs> and then um, they said, you know, by the looks of it, it's just a flu. You probably caught a virus somewhere. No big deal. 
go home and you say you mentioned you were dizzy. Here's some, and uh, they give me some anti-dizzy pills. And then I took that in and I went home and I, I just thought, yeah, they're right. Just flu like syndrome, it would go away. Well, the following day, it didn't go away. It got worse and worse. Fever got worse and worse. And I still refused to go to the ER. I'm like, at this point in time, I can barely even function. I know how it feels like to get sick with a fever. But this time, it was really bad. And I still refused to go. I can barely, I'm stumbling my words. Everything's a blur. And all up until the day after Thanksgiving, I was still feeling terrible. Couldn't do anything, sat around. And that's when I went to go upstairs, take a nap. I, now, this is the part where I don't know. I don't remember, but I found a full-blown seizure. And this is where I was rushed to the hospital. And this is now they diagnosed me with herpes simplex encephalitis. Herpes simplex, the virus is what you and I know it as the, the cold sore virus. Same virus gives you cold sores. In my particular case, a rare case where it somehow went in and attacked my brain. And when I was rushed to the hospital, they even misdiagnosed me again. They said I had meningitis, um, but the ER doctor, thank God for the ER doctor, he uh, mentioned that uh, to my wife at the time. He goes, even though I'm, I diagnosed him with meningitis, I, my gut feeling says something else here is wrong. After he physically examined me, he goes, something's wrong. And the only way we're going to find out is we need to do a spinal tap. But the problem is with the spinal tap, uh, it's a three-hour wait for a result. But he highly suggests, you know what, no matter what, let's do it. Um, eventually, my wife said, my wife Tim said, okay, we're going to do it. And as soon as three hours came in, the results came in, they rushed me from there to Marshfield. Marshfield is about an hour away from where I was at, where I live. And as soon as we got there, then they, they really found out, yeah, the virus, he, he has a fever because the virus has been trying to attack. And I, it, when it attacked my brain, it put me into a full-blown seizure. That's why I fell into a seizure. And, of course, uh, at this point in time, I'm not... I, not telling the story anymore because I was basically unconscious uh, seizure activities. I didn't even know what was going on. So this is the part where my wife at the time comes in, she fills me in and she says, well, we rushed to Marshfield clinic. And when we got there, um, really the doctors, they did what they needed to do. The team that worked on me and all hands down, they said, we did everything we needed to do that we could do. The rest was up to him. Even if he makes it through this, the damage done to his brain, he will never be the same. And 
that's what they said to my family and friends as they wait for me to come back and be conscious because there was just so much going on. Um, even I didn't, I didn't even know what happened at this point in time. I don't know anything that's going on. So, um, not only I awoke days later, uh, I remember the doctor often coming and asking me questions just to see if I can communicate as a, a normal person back and forth. And I remember when I could communicate finally, he said, are, are you ready to know what happened to you? And I was a bit shocked. I, I, all, all I know is I thought I just had a fever, but I knew I was in a new hospital. I knew what hospital I was at, so I knew I was in deep trouble. Um, and I nodded my head, and he said, well, um, he goes, I'm sorry, I, I don't have a care. And that alone already broke my heart. And then he said, the herpes virus, it attacked your brain. And that's what put you in seizure. That is why you are here. And you, of all, um, you're, you're fortunate. You can still... You, you made it this far. Um, they couldn't promise me what's going to happen because of the damage done in my brain, but they did say, you made it this far. So they kept me at the hospital to make sure I was um, incapable of um, being normal. And then I eventually went to a therapy, physical therapy. I walked, they made me walk, made me, Maybe do normal things. I obviously couldn't do in the beginning because I couldn't tell between a paper clip and a dime. So those are simple things I had to do. Um, it was very hard to communicate. Uh, still, I mean, there was no drugs or anything that was given to me. All I was get, all they can do was give me an antiviral, which is a cephalar, and they gave me anti-seizure pills and the rest was up to me. So uh, a lot of family and friends came and it could have been a little bit of everything, but now I'm taking every blessing and I'm taking every uh, prayers and I'm like, yeah, I could run with that. Um, you were in a hospital for a whole month and that's, and with this uh, disease, there was no much of an answer. You could have been a vegetable, but obviously you're walking, talking. Heck, you're more than walking. You run, I don't know how many marathons <laughs> after you, you, you know, had that life experience and fought back. We are just, I don't know what to say, whatever the higher above is, you know, whatever you might be believing. You are alive, walking, talking, and many more marathons to run. Am I correct? Correct. To today, yes. Uh, many more big plans for the future. Uh, it, it hasn't ended yet. Um, I mean, I just ran my race yesterday. 
it was, I mean, yeah, life was fast paced after encephalitis, but um, life was so glorious right after that. <laughs> so, <laughs> how did your wife at the time and your family um, thought of you when you were, you know, during that time in the hospital? And your four girls, too. Yeah. Um, that time, they didn't even, my, my children didn't even know what was going on. They just saw dad got thrown out into the ambulance. He's sick. That's all they knew. Um, that's, what, that's all many of them knew. Because there wasn't an answer for a while. And, and by the time they, they diagnosed me, only the, they knew there was nothing that can be done. We just hope it all turns out well. That's all that my family and friends can do at the time. And, and all I can do was wake up and say, God, I'm sorry that I put you guys through hell. Um, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot anyone can do. But uh, I know a lot of prayers came. And a lot of blessing. It is a miracle to have you talk in this scary moment and chatting with you, Fritz. For no, I, it, it's a blessing. I truly am. Um, to know, to wake up and say, I mean, I still remember it till today. I mean, when I woke up, it was late. It was always dark too. And it was always cold. And I remember till today, I woke up and I remember the dark, cold air. It punctured every inch of my lungs. And I, that was the moment where I told myself, wow, wow. This, this is how it feels to live life. Those are the words that ran through me as I'm having this conversation with myself. And I did that a lot at the time because I couldn't really wake up to conversate with anybody. So I conversated with myself and I was often mad. Um, I don't know, maybe they're higher above the world, but the question why me, the pain and agony I had to go through. I was so mad at one point where I even ripped off the wires that was hooked up to my head, the EEG. And the uh, IV that was hooked up to my, my arms, I was so angry, angry at many things. And um, looking back, yeah, it's, life is great. Um, I wouldn't take anything bad. I mean, I hate to say this, but you know, it made me realize going through hell and back, I, I look at life completely different. It was so fast, so fast paced. I, now I'm here. Well, all the things I wanted, let's make it happen. Let's talk about that. Let's fast forward to the new woke Fritz. Because again, when you woke up from that ER, that was your second chance. Yes. And let's talk about that in the, the now, because let's talk about family now. Let's talk about your life now. Let's talk about the things that you are so mad at, like that you 
you've never been doing your health you at the one time you were about you know about 150 pound or so but I, you know you drop weight now since you run so many marathons you're much fitter than you've ever been let's talk about that let's express the now oh. having that chance to yeah <laughs> you know having that second chance um yeah i i learned to realize um all the things i um i mean i'm i always i always wanted to be in shape but i didn't i didn't run to be in shape i just ran because after that happened to me i just wanted to be in shape after that incident encephalitis um but that didn't uh, I mean, see, I, oh, I, I lost my train of thought of what I was going to say. That's why. Uh, it's going to be emotional too, man. Right. No, it's all good. Um, yeah. But I lost what I was going to say. You know, and I want to talk about the woke Fritz and the and having the second chance. Okay. That's where I, we're going at. Yeah. So when I, yeah so when i woke up um finally when 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 i'm awake when i say i woke up i can communicate now i can oh i'm hungry or i'm not hungry. I, I i'm aware of what's going on now this is where the doctor's coming in so they know now i know what's going on um this is where i start to get angry i talk to myself about what what happened i thinking back i didn't even know even if i died that day i didn't even know i died and to tell the truth i would have been angry that damn this is the life that was written out for me um that sucks uh there has got to be better and when i woke up and i realized all that i decided i want to write the life and that's where it led me today um but it, I hate that in a way it, it's, I hate to say this, that if uh, I had to go through hell to realize I can, I can write my life the way I want to, but I'm the few that can say that because mortality rate is 70%. And on top of that, I didn't just make it out. I can walk and talk. And I wanted to go beyond those things, even when they said, we're not sure, we're not capable. When I say they, meaning doctors, professionals, we're not sure what you're capable of doing. And when they doubted me and when they said, well, you can't do that. Um, there's too much, too much for your body. They couldn't guarantee me to do anything. And when I, uh, found out I can do one thing at a time, things I love doing. Um, the, I'm trying to build that confidence in myself. Although I was truly aware that something can go wrong. It's middle of winter. What if you collapse? What if you had a seizure in the middle of the winter outside? Yeah, so those are the things I need to be aware of. Um, was I? Yeah. And because I couldn't work, I couldn't drive, and I couldn't go anywhere, it was middle of winter, I started to fall into a deep depression of 
you know, what about my life? Um, when, when I couldn't do anything and made it even worse when I started to believe them that I couldn't do it. When they say they doubted me or you can't do this. And I believe that, that, that I couldn't and made my life even worse. Um, so many breakdowns. I'm on meds. They don't even know why I'm on meds. Not even sure why it works, if it, if it does even work. But um, so much happened, and I'm just doing what they told me. Now I'm just living life through whatever they're going to tell me to do. Let's write your life now, Britt, and that's what you did. You went to your first marathon and then the Warsaw Marathon. Yeah. Living that time, and that was about seven years ago. And that marathon was a 26.2, right? Yep. That was my first full, first full marathon. I mean, again, it's just having the point of where they can't say that you cannot walk. You cannot maybe do anything again. But you said, you said no to the norm. I'm going to walk. I'm going to talk. I'm going to know between a dime and a paper clip. <laughs> you know, the difference. And you ran your first marathon, 26.2 miles. You had to be certainly prepared for this marathon. Yeah, it, it, it took many miles and miles after miles. But even before um, training in, in, into all, all of, in between training for marathons, I, I was scared that I, because they told me I couldn't do it. What if there were so many what if things that could happen to me and nobody knew? But I had an awesome friend, truly inspired by him. He was the one who said to me, what if you could do it? You know, I, I told him there's too many what ifs, too many negatives. And he said, there's only one question that really matters. It's what if you could do it? And that gave me the courage to take it to the next step. Then I started running more and we started running together. Um, he's, he's, was truly overweight. He lost over a hundred pounds. I'm, I haven't seen him in years. And after I got ill, he came and I'm like, wow, uh, you've changed. And then that's how I started to realize what's going on here. And I have nothing going on for myself. Uh, I'm, they told me I can't do anything. And I'm starting to explain to him what happened. And then that's when he said that to me. And I, it completely re reversed my thought. And little by little, I started pushing miles. And then these miles weren't, it wasn't just about the miles. It was about, not even about one foot in front of the other. It was about me, the road, my shoes, and where I went to go get to know myself. And that's where I went. When I wanted answers, where I, want, where I went to go define myself. And that's, those are the build-up courage to run my first marathon, even though they told me or they doubted me that I shouldn't or I couldn't. And, uh, man, those miles were long, and those miles hurt. Uh, but when, you, when I crossed that line for the first, when I crossed the finish line for the first time, all those what-if questions, they were answered. Because here I am. Eight years later, I'm still answering those questions. 
and uh, checking one off one by one. And I'm telling you, man, it feels great. I don't know how, uh, I'm pretty sure you lost count on how many 5Ks and 10Ks <laughs> miles you have run now. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, all the five tens in the house. Um I lost track, but I definitely love doing all my local races. Uh, I'm there, definitely love supporting them. Uh in definitely in the in the uh Marathon County. In the right now I'm visiting my parents in Oklahoma and uh ahead of time already I really look where I'm going to race, what I'm going to do. As far as yesterday, I just finished my, uh, like, big plans for my upcoming races. Um, I got into the trail racing, which is a whole new world of running. Uh, <laughs> and I just did my second trail race uh, for the first time. And it was a great outcome, great race. It was fun. I loved it. You know, um, second overall, first in my age group. Um, man, I. I never thought this would have ever been me. On top of that, I'm enjoying every step of it. Don't let anybody or anyone to tell you what you can't get it not do. And oh, you had a yes. second chance and you're doing it. <laughs> and yeah, definitely being in this game, uh, meeting the, I met some of the most incredible people and they know who they are. I'm not going to talk about them. I'm not even going to mention names. But they stand behind me all the time. And um, man, the team and just out of Wausau, they're truly the ones who push me beyond limits. And then from there, you know, they were the one who taught me uh, how to swim. And then meeting them swimming, then meeting other runners across the country. And then I met other Hmong Ironmans and I'm training with them. Uh, putting me on my bike and I'm a mechanic of how and what to do, how to build a bike and man, everything, this whole eight years journey and how it comes together. Yeah. This game is, is truly incredible. These people, we have the same mentality. We're, we're pushing our limits. You know, we have the same attitude. We're here to beat somebody and that's yourself. And that's what really matters. And uh, we're always trying to achieve that. Yeah. Um, friendly competition that's cool we high five each other yeah we want you to do the best for yourself but really it's when you go home you look yourself in the mirror you're like man i did great today yeah finish boom it's all about you so inspiring you know fred i hear that you want to do iron man my correct a future you know, yes. <laughs> so, yes, and Iron Man is um, being inspired by so many already, and even some on the team in the Wasa area. No, I'm inspired by them. Um, it truly goes back to this is the ultimate test where mentally and physically together, you can do anything you want. And this I'm not doing to prove nothing, but I'm doing this because I'm going to put myself in that situation. And when I can put the two and two together, I'm going to accomplish all of that. And uh, that's why I want Iron Man so bad. So right now, after all the years of training, 
all the bits and pieces. My mechanic just told me the bike is finally done. I have everything, my gear. I am mentally and physically ready to go. The problem is I need to find and register for an Ironman that suits my time. So, um, yeah, I am truly excited about it. Um, man, I can't, I can't wait. It's just that during the pandemic, it messed up a lot of races. Um, so I can't just go and like, hey, sign up because uh, all the Ironmans before me, they get first pick. So that's why I'm kind of stuck about where um, I want to do my Ironman. But yeah, I'm truly excited. So excited. In the meanwhile, oh. train hard, man. Train hard. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's always about that. Yeah, I'm always training. Always training. Um, it's a bit crazy, but it's not crazy, I feel like. <laughs> so. It is going to be mind over matter when you're... It is, and it truly is. Even when I'm training, it's the, you know... Uh, and, and don't get me wrong. Some days, it's just about doing it and just, just enjoying what you love doing. And some days, um, you want to train hard, work hard, because... Um, it shows when you finish all of that shows all that hard work and at the end of the day man that's what that's what really makes you happy because you enjoy seeing those results you so are, in all in all man, always being happy always doing what you love because nobody's gonna tell you hey man um get up five in the morning and say it's go time i mean i'm not saying nobody the team, I was, they're always on me about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but those are things. Um, man, I, I can't take it back. Um, I hated getting up in the morning. Here I am. Loving it. Some days are hard. But once I get in the groove, I get done like 45 minutes of my life. That wasn't bad at all. <laughs> so, it, seemed like that, it seemed like that farm life. I used to drink. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's what I said. I used to hate it. And then you get into the group, you're like, done. It's done. It was so easy. Um, and look at the results. It shows. Because here I am doing it again and again and again. <laughs> With many, many more miles and, you know, the, the training for, uh, for the Ironman, I, I wish the best luck. I know I believe in you and I know you can do it. Okay. No, thank you so much. I tr I really appreciate it. You know, thank you so much. Thanks for the support. Yeah. These are the few things I'm going to ask you. Yes. What does it mean to be a Hmong man? And I'm, um, I'm all about diversity. And I'm going to use it as a, um, like in the running world, I should say, in the running world, we, we have our own culture. And I'm all about being diverse. I'm all about equality for all kinds. And I go to so many events. Um, they don't, in the running, and when I say culture, in the running culture, they don't question me about uh, my, uh, where I came from, my skin color. Because when we get there, we all have the same ambition. We have the same motivation. And as being among men, I, I want to embrace that, that we should all be equal. We shouldn't look at each other no different because of our skin. 
And I really want to embrace that. And I feel like, God, everybody should be a runner because when we get there, we're like, hey, what's up? Where are you from? How are you doing? And we always, always encourage. There's no slight of negativity at all, even though we're complete strangers. And uh, yeah, as among men, I would love to embrace equality over and over and over. Yeah. Not just run in this country, but worldwide. I mean, I ran all around the country, even doing my first international as well. And uh, it doesn't matter where we go. We're all the same. In the- Secondly, Fritz, what advice would you tell yourself, the 15-year-old Fritz, about having a second chance? Oh. I, I would like to tell young me Man, take the time, you know, go on that date by yourself. Because I want you to take the time to get them young, to get to know yourself, truly get to know yourself so that you can become the man you want to be. Not just being living life and being surprised, hey, uh, oh, and you get hit as an adult so fast. And where do we move from there? But definitely take the time to get to know yourself. Don't worry about, am I gonna make friends? How do I look? Is my clothes too big? Don't worry about that. Just worry about who you are. And when you find out who you are, you're gonna walk a lot more confident. Lastly, Fred, you've been so inspiring, man. Where could these listeners and followers find you? Give us an outlet where we can get a hold of you. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Um, Facebook, um, that's a great place. I'm always willing to open. I mean, even though uh, sometimes you get too much, but I'm definitely on, I'm, I'm really active on the Hmong um, Marathon Runners page and the Hmong Fitness page. Um, definitely hit me up there. If you find me there, that's truly me. Yeah, or well, you can just Facebook mess- message me. I'm also on Instagram, Fritz Moore. I do, um, especially my Instagram, it's all about me and only me. Like the things I love doing, um, my photography, um, I talk, I, I pictures about everything I love doing, my workouts, what I don't like, what I do like. So yeah, definitely that. Um, you can find me anywhere on social media pretty, you know, and I do my best to get back, get back, yeah. I'm very, very, very appreciate your time. And to wrap it up here, Again, you know, I want to see on industry in an Instagram picture you at the finish line of the Ironman. Okay, so thank you so much for your support. No, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for, I mean, thank you for offering me this time. I love it. Thank you so much. All right, bye now. All right, peace. Well, that ends our episode. If you haven't yet, visit our website at www.momentalk.com or find us on Facebook, Moment Talk. Lastly, if you're listening on, on us on a podcast from Stitcher or Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes, please give us an honest rating. Also, want to give a shout out to the intro and outro at coolcookedup.beatstar.com. Check it out for the latest beats he's pushing out. 